Reading today is John 3, 1 to 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken... To you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Okay, hands up, who's finished their Christmas shopping? I'm not seeing a lot here. Well done to those of you that have. It's hard, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to know what to buy people, isn't it? And especially people like me. I'm the stereotype. Because, you know, blokes in general are hard to know what to buy. And then blokes 50 and over, even harder to know what to buy. And then if you throw into the mix them being a dad, it's nearly impossible. The odds are stacked against you. And it's not that we haven't been asked what we want for Christmas. It's just that when you do ask us, we say something like, oh, I don't know, surprise me. (laughs) Now, in our defense, we're not deliberately trying to be difficult. We genuinely can't think of anything. Because if we wanted it, the chances are, that we've already gone and bought it for ourselves. Or we've decided it's too expensive, it's not worth it, and we don't want you to waste your money on it. 
So really, it's all our own fault that we end up with socks and underpants and Bunnings vouchers. And it's because we already think that we're already all sorted. We think we're already all sorted. We think that we don't need anything. And in the reading we just heard um, that's on your leaflets, we meet Nicodemus, a religious bloke who probably thinks, spiritually speaking, when it comes to his relationship with God, he probably thinks when push comes to shove, I'm, I'm all sorted. That he's already got everything he needs. But he's seen Jesus, right? He's seen Jesus' miracles or signs. He's heard Jesus' teaching. And he can't help having noticed that there's something different about Jesus. That Jesus is bringing a different kind of gift. And that's what we're looking at in this series. The gifts that Jesus brings. Um, what's, why do we make such a big deal about him at Christmas? And we're looking today at the gift of light that Jesus brings and what he means by that. Jesus comes to bring light. Verse 19, this is the verdict, Jesus says. Light has come into the world. And verse 21, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So Jesus is the light, and the light he brings reveals the truth. It reve- Jesus reveals how things really are. It reveals heaven's plan. And he shows Nicodemus, shows us, that without his help, our situation is much darker than we ever realized but also that his rescue for us, the light he brings, is far more comprehensive and forever than we ever dared imagine. So this morning as we look at this conversation that he has with Nicodemus, we'll see how Jesus shines his light on how things really are. And there's an outline in your leaflets there. He sheds light on what we need, light on how we get it, and light on the truth. Truth about God and the truth about us. So first of all, light on what we need. Um, and just with context, where, where we are this morning in John's Gospel, we're following Jesus right at the start of his ministry. He's been going around preaching and teaching and performing what John, the writer of this eyewitness biography, calls signs. He's been doing miracles. John calls them signs. So Jerusalem is all buzzing with news of Jesus doing these miracles, and, and loads of people are believing in him. And that's come to the attention of the powers that be, including Nicodemus. So have a look with verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now we hear Pharisees and we tend to, if we're familiar with the Gospels, we tend to think, oh, boo, Pharisees. But Nicodemus, I reckon if you met him, you'd think he's a good guy. He's a defender of the faith, an upholder of God's ways. So in the face of foreign invasion by the Romans, by occupation by the Romans, in the constant call to compromise by a changing culture, he and his peers are really striving to make sure God's ways are upheld. So Nicodemus is a good guy, better than most, well-respected, given a position of power on the ruling council. But he knows All God's promises haven't been fulfilled yet. He knows things aren't quite right yet for God's people. And then he hears about Jesus. Crowds love his teaching. That's nothing new. But there are signs. 
convincing signs, stuff that only God could do. God must be with this new rabbi. If he really is on God's side, maybe he has some teaching that can help them get the breakthrough they're looking for. And so Nicodemus, not quite willing to come out and publicly endorse Jesus, comes to visit Jesus at night to check him out for himself. Verse 2. Rabbi, he says to Jesus, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Nicodemus refers to Jesus as rabbi and teacher. So really he's looking for answers in more of the same more of what he already dedicates his life to, to teaching, to knowledge, following the right rules. Nicodemus is looking for ways he can get himself and Israel into the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, that's um, eternal life in light, in, in joyful, right relationship with God. That's God's kingdom, enjoying his rule, his way. So Nicodemus is looking for a teacher But what he really needs is a savior. And Jesus tells him to enter the kingdom of God. That even Nicodemus needs a completely fresh start. He needs rebirth. Now you could understand Jesus saying that a bit more if he was, I don't like the woman at the well we met, um, on a sixth bloke, or a drug addict, or a gambler, or someone who obviously needs a profound religious experience to turn them around. But Nicodemus is one of the good guys. You'd want, you'd want him to be your neighbor or your boss. And as far as religious goes, he's the most religious bloke you could meet, probably. And yet Jesus is telling him that he has exactly the same need as the sweary, leery Roman soldiers around the place, the prostitutes or the criminals. So Nicodemus is kind of incredulous. What, how, can you, how can I be but a baby, a man? How does Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So Nicodemus is, knows his Bible inside out. And, and with those words, water and spirit, Jesus is using an Old Testament quote to get him thinking. It's like I drive my family crackers. Whenever somebody says a sentence, it triggers the memory of a song and I'll start singing it. You know, so like, get in the car. Get into my car. You know, anything. I've got a song for everything. But Jesus, so this is triggered an Old Testament quote in Nicodemus's head. And Jesus is talking about what's promised in several places through the Old Testament, that God would put his very own spirit into people's hearts to make them new, make them clean, and give them life. So Ezekiel 36, for example, verse 24, For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land, Here's the water. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. 
I will remove from your heart, you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So in other words, being born again is all down to God working in us to rebirth us, to give us a fresh start and make us new. Nicodemus wanted more teaching, more of what he already had in hope that it might make things good enough. And we need to be careful that we're not making life about what we do to make ourselves good enough. Because what is that thing that will make us good enough? A relationship, a job, an achievement, being true to yourself. Being in the kingdom of God, living life for him under his kind and generous rule, That's what we're made for. But what we actually do is pridefully rebel against God, saying, no thanks, I'll be in charge here, and I'll treat other things and people as more important than God. And that means we all need washing clean of all our wrongdoing, and we need spiritually regenerating. And it's only by God cleansing us, by God regenerating us from the inside out by his spirit, that we can be in right relationship with him. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being spiritually reborn by God. We've got no hope except for God rescuing us, God giving us new life. And so Jesus is correcting Nicodemus' mindset. He's correcting our mindset. He's stopping us looking in the wrong place for salvation. He's stopping us looking for salvation in more knowledge, more ideas, more stuff we can do. Because trying to save yourself is like trying to get an apple tree to grow oranges. We can try our best. We could try pruning the tree. We can try, I can try cutting bad things out of my life. Or you could try fertilizing the tree. I can try and fill my life with good stuff. But in the end, all you end up with is bigger apples. What we need is to be completely transformed, reborn, changed into something new from the inside out, by God's Spirit. So it doesn't matter if you're Australian of the year or a crime lord. It doesn't matter if you know the Bible inside out or turn yourself inside out, avoiding it. It doesn't matter if you think you're good enough or if you think you're too far gone. What every one of us needs is to be reborn by God's Spirit. So how does that happen? How do we get born again? Well, Jesus shines his light on how we get it. Our next section, Jesus shines his light on how we get this, how we become born again. Because with Nicodemus in verse 9, we're left asking, how can this be? Or maybe you're asking, who does Jesus think he is telling me what I need? To To be telling me I'm not good enough as I am. Well, before telling us how to be born again, Jesus lays out his credentials, his why Nicodemus should listen to him, why we should listen to him. Verse 11. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. But you still, you people still do not accept our testimony. Verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Son of man. That's how Jesus refers to himself in John's gospel. 
Jesus is saying, I'm an eyewitness of heaven itself. I've got the inside info from heaven. Jesus is God the Son. Existed, he's existed for all eternity. He's the one through who and for who you and I, all of this was created. And he became one of us, fully God, fully human, so that we can know him and so that he could save us. Now, these are big claims, and Nicodemus is probably a bit gobsmacked by them. And there's still that question, how can we be born again? So Jesus gives him a bit more New Test- Old Testament sorry, to think about. Verse 14, Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him believes may have eternal life in him. So Jesus is referring to the curious case of the snakes in the desert from Numbers 21. Uh, the scenario is God's people are in the wilderness camping and God's given them everything they need and more. And so, of course, their reaction is to whinge about it. And so is a punishment, judgment in, for that. They're suffering from a plague of snakes as we join them in Numbers 21. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Everyone who is bitten can look at it and live So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then whenever anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So a snake, a symbol of evil, of poison, of death, was to be raised up on a pole so that when people looked at it in faith, they might be saved. So the Son of Man, Jesus, must be lifted up. And Jesus' eyewitness report on the plan from heaven is that he must be lifted up on a pole on his cross so that when people look on him in trusting faith we live the perfect son of god the perfect light takes on our sin our curse our poison so that we can be rescued from the consequences of our rebellion against god So that, verse 15, everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Everyone who believes. So it's not enough to just know about Jesus. It's not enough to intellectually ascend or just acknowledge that he died on the cross, taking our place. Jesus' demand is that we believe in him. Jesus is God's solution to our problem of sin. And we have to accept him and trust in him. How are we born again? Believe in Jesus. That's it. Not believe in yourself and what you can do. Not believe in you being good enough. But by believing in Jesus. So that's the question for all of us this morning. Do you believe in Jesus? Or have you just settled for knowing about him? And if you have settled for just knowing about him, what is holding you back? It is a big step to believe and trust in him because 
this belief means trusting Jesus with your life. But you can trust him. Nicodemus could trust him. All the signs were there that he was who he said he was. And we can trust him because we know even more than Nicodemus. We know everything he went through. uh, Rejected by his people. Abandoned by his closest friends. Death on a Roman cross to save us. Whatever or whoever else you might trust in hasn't done all that for you. Believe in Jesus to be born again. This is heaven's plan that Jesus shines a light on for us to see. And Jesus shines a light on the truth. Our last heading. Firstly about God. Now John 3.16 is a very famous verse. Probably everyone here I reckon probably could probably quote it. And a couple of things about it. The so in there, for God so loved the world. That's how we tend to think of it. So, like God loved us so much, so intensely. And that is true. But actually the so there means thus or in this way. So the uh, Christian Standard Bible translation is, um, for God loved us in this way. That he gave his only one one and only son. So that's one thing. The other thing about John 3.16 is it's very easy to miss the first word, which is, Four. Four. If you see a four in the Bible, you've got to ask yourself, what's it there for? Very good. It means it's connected to what's come before it. So verse 16 is answering the question, why is belief in Jesus and what he's done on the cross essential for eternal life? Why is that the solution? Why must we believe in him to be born again? Why? Because, for, because God so loved the world. God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the way in which God has loved the world. This is the way in which God has saved the world. Uh, in John's gospel, world, when it says world, it means those who reject God and his ways. So what does God do with that? I heard the story of um, an actor called Patton Oswalt. He's one of those actors, there's a slide there, thanks Robert. He's one of those actors, you recognize him, but you can't remember what you've seen him in. Anyway, Patton was getting trolled. He was getting sent abusive messages every day on social media by a man who had decided not to like him, just for no good reason. But when Oswalt looked into the guy, he found that this man who was abusing him was facing huge medical bills that he couldn't afford to pay. And so he donated to this man who was abusing him $2,000 and encouraged his following on social media to do the same until that man's whole debt had been paid. God loves those who rebel against him. He loves us so much, he sent his one and only son to pay our debt and this really costs God he doesn't love us in some intangible fluffy clouds kind of way he loves us in a real person doing a real work with real consequences and he calls us to real belief belief in Jesus is necessary 
because Jesus is God's rescue plan. And without him, the world is destined to perish. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. See, Jesus shines God's light. And I reckon lots of people see God as, if you think of God with a light, think of God as like a guard in a prison watchtower or an overzealous killjoy leader at a youth camp using a spotlight to try and searching for anybody searching for freedom or trying to have fun and put a stop to it. But the truth is, in Jesus, the light coming to us, God is like a rescuer searching out the lost. So imagine you're camping this summer, Don't, not, not a day like today, but imagine you're camping this summer, you're on a caravan park, campsite, and one night after dark, there's a commotion. Someone's child has gone missing. And it's clear that they need help searching. So what do you do? Well, you grab your torch and you join in the search party. And you'll be searching frantically, shine your torch wherever you can. But who's going to be searching the hardest, casting their light the most frantically, covering the most ground, will be the parents. That's the kind of light Jesus has come to shine. To show up our deeds, yes, but not to condemn us. To help us see things, see our sin for what it is. To cause us to turn to him in faith and be rescued. To be found when we're lost. So I wonder how Nicodemus is feeling at this point. He's coming to this conversation with Jesus thinking, I'm probably doing all right. This teacher from God might have some insights as to how I can do things a bit better. But now he finds out that whether he's in or out of the kingdom of God is very simple. If he believes in Jesus, he will enter the kingdom of God. Perfect life in God's perfect place forever. If he doesn't believe in Jesus... He stands condemned and will perish. Now, John doesn't expand on what perish means in this bit of the gospel, but elsewhere the Bible calls it hell and makes it very clear it's not how you want to end up. And that's shocking, isn't it? Because it's shocking because most of us don't see ourselves as worthy of being condemned. Most of us probably see ourselves like Nicodemus saw himself. But that's because we only have ourselves to compare one another to. See, Jesus shines light on about us, shows us how we really are. For example, if you're watching the Olympics, you find yourself, you know, watching it, watching some obscure sport you've not watched for four years and providing your critique on it. And the actor Bill Murray once said, every Olympic event should have an average person in it for reference, so you can see how good the, these Olympians really are. But Jesus is like the reverse of that. He's the witness of heaven, the light of heaven, living amongst rebellious humanity. And he shows up, shows us up for what we are. He shows up, gives an accurate assessment of how we really are. Jesus knows that our default state is condemned. 
So it's shocking to find that out. But it's also shocking because Jesus steps in to take the place of the con- to take on that condemnation of those rebelling against him. Now, many will not believe this. And if we think, why don't people accept this good news about Jesus? We can think up with lots of ideas, like our culture is just against that sort of thing. Um, They've not heard. But Jesus doesn't go there. Jesus explains why people don't believe in verses 19 to 21. He says that God loves us, bringing light. But the reason people don't believe is because we prefer darkness. Even in all the mess and uh, badness, the consequences that our sin brings, we still love it because it's us being in control. It's us calling the shots. But if Jesus really is who he says he is, the son of God from heaven, then he's not being arrogant. He's not just putting us down and he's not come to condemn us. He's telling it, how it is. And he gave his life for us so that we can be born again. So whoever you are, whatever you've done, that's the offer from Jesus. A fresh start. A new life. A new life that isn't about how good you can be. It's about how good God has been to you. How good God is. You don't need to make yourself just good enough or get the right religious experience or get into the right state of mind. You just have to trust in Jesus and what he's done to save you. And God will renew you by his spirit inside out. I don't know if you've ever seen someone giving birth um, or if you remember your own birth. Anybody? No? The thing is about being born is you don't contribute anything. You just make your way out. It's your mum's pain, her labour, her efforts that result in your birth. And it's God's pain, his work through Jesus on the cross that brings you spiritual rebirth. So maybe if you find yourself just generously disposed towards Jesus but not believing him, it all sounds good. You don't oppose these claims of Jesus. Hear what Jesus is saying to you. Believe in me and what I've done for you. Give yourself over to Jesus and be born again. And for some, the idea of standing condemned to perish because you don't believe in Jesus will sound offensive, ridiculous even. And it would be, unless Jesus really is, the Son of God, unless he really has got the inside track on heaven's plan to save you, unless his death really was for you. For all of us, the call is the same. The lights have been switched on by Jesus. Jesus' light has shown us what's what. He's shown us who God is. He's shown us who we are. He's shown us what we must do to be saved. Believe in Jesus that you may have eternal life in him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you haven't left us guessing. Jesus is the light who shows us 
how you re- what you're really like and what we're really like and what we must be do to be saved. Uh, we're sorry for turning away from you, for rebelling against you. But we trust in Jesus. We rely on him. We trust him with our lives to bring us your salvation for your glory. Amen.